0: Exodus chapter 15, from verse 22 onwards. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, if we go to the previous verses, and you're scrolling up, you see the song of Miriam, and you will also see the song of... Moses. So this is after the Lord destroyed Pharaoh, the army, um, the chariots, basically the enemies that the children of Israel had for such a long time. And the enemy was relentless. It took 10 plagues for the children of Israel to come out of the land of Egypt. When God told Moses, Moses, I want you to go, and I want you to talk to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, Let my people go. This is what I want you to go and tell Pharaoh. Moses went listening to the voice of God, and God anointed Moses for that. Moses received the commission of God, received the anointing of God. He was no more the same Moses who was before, you know, even though he was walking with God. Now this is a different Moses, a Moses who was the servant of God. Even though he knew before that God had a call in his life and God spared his life and his his birth, his upbringing, everything was very unique, different from the rest of the people in the land of Israel. God had um, uniquely called him to be the deliverer of his people from the hands of the Egyptians. Until God... Called him. See, there's a calling when someone is born, and there's a revelation of calling that has been given um, by God to His people, and then there's a express calling of God that comes directly to a person when God calls them. Moses was called by God. One of those people who are called by God through a very distinct supernatural experience where. He saw God appear to him in the burning bush, God speaking to him, God anointing him, appointing him, giving him the sign with the rod and with the hand. And he he anointed his rod, he anointed his hand. And God said, I will be with your mouth. and, And God commissioned him to go to Pharaoh. So when he had all these things, he asked for Aaron. God gave him Aaron to assist him. All these things were done. Moses would have never thought how difficult the deliverance was going to be when it came to bringing the people out of the hand of the Egyptians. He would have thought, okay, God said, God showed these signs. I'm going to go there, and God is with me. God has sent Aaron to help me speak, and I have the sign that God gave, these two signs, once I do this, Pharaoh is going to get scared and and he's going to say, well, you want to go and worship um, your God in the wilderness? Go take your people. We all would have thought that way. But it didn't happen that way. And so when he went and basically did what God told him to do, things became tougher. It was not getting easier, it became tougher. You know why? Anytime you engage in warfare, the enemy will attack more. Anytime you engage in any type of warfare, especially in the kingdom of God, even in the earthly realm, you engage in warfare, you go and claim what belongs to you when someone has it, they're going to fight for it if they are evil. Satan is evil. There's nothing good in him. So when God sent Moses with a plan, and the plan was to deliver them and take them to a land flowing with milk and honey, promise is given, anointing is given, and he's sent out. The process was not a one-shot process. The process was not like you go and speak and you pray and you so you know show the sign and that's it. It's over. And next thing is la 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 la. We all go you know with our young and with our old, and here we go because God is with us. No. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have to understand, in the spiritual realm, we have strongholds. Satan has his seat. Satan has his army. Satan has his troops. You know, God has graciously shown me these things, you know, many years ago. How the enemy operates, how the enemy has his troops and his ranks and different things. In detail manner on spiritual warfare, And the spirit of the Lord is shown how healing takes place and how deliverance takes place and how each demonic spirit has territorial spirits over sicknesses, over diseases, over marriages, over confusion, over all kinds of things. Now, the evil spirits, the demonic spirits, territorial spirits, who had the children of Israel subdued, basically, even though God was with them and they were increasing, the more they were oppressed, the more they increased. Even when they thought, okay, let's kill the male children, they couldn't touch Moses. God always made a way of escape through all of this because God had a plan. These were God's people, Abraham's seed, that God had made a covenant. And with all of that, with God being there the entire time, The enemy put up a fight. You know why? Because the enemy was given room to put up a fight. Understand this. God is sovereign over everything. God has given the enemy some room to put up a fight. To say, I'm not going to let you go. Does it mean that God is weak? Does it mean that his promise is not going to come to pass? Does it mean that, oh, that's it, no more. Pharaoh is the hero. No, no. God is the hero all the time. God wins all the time. He is the winner, and those are with him. they win all the time. So when Moses went to Pharaoh and he went and said, "Pharaoh, let my people go this is what my God says, and who is his God?" And he says, "Oh, this is my God, and he gives his name, and he says all these things, and he throws his rod and and he'd have thought,, I threw this rod, and now look, serpent is going, and Moses got scared when the rod turned in his snake and so in his mind he thought oh once I throw look what Pharaoh is going to do but the enemy didn't stop he wasn't scared he said oh okay let me call my magicians and what was happening there it was a showdown that was going on he said look what we will do you threw one rod look how many rods we are going to throw so what happened there is a battle that took place in that palace Pharaoh's palace. Now, do you see God just showing up all of a sudden? Pharaoh, let go of my people. No, you don't see anything. You don't see a mist coming. You don't see a cloud standing there. You don't see nothing. Moses received the word of God and he's doing what God called him to do. But now you see. Imagine how it would have been taking place there. And what would have been going through in Moses' mind at that time. Moses knew his God Moses knew that God sent him Moses knew that God said he was going to take his people from point A to point B which is the destination that God wanted them to go which is Canaan Moses knew that that's why he was there now when this happened he's watching you know why? because Moses was there by faith being anointed by God, appointed by God so it's not like oh he's shaking there he doesn't know what to do, I'm just a simple human being no, yes it was an impossible situation it's the very same palace that wanted to kill him. He's standing there now, as, not as the prince of Egypt, but he's standing there as the prince of God. Standing there with the anointing of God, with the authority of God, with a peace that came from God. He didn't run away once they all dropped their snakes. And the story doesn't say, oh, they all dropped their rods. And now Moses disappeared. He ran and Aaron ran out with him. No. They stood their ground and they were there watching what God was doing. And you know who intervened there? God intervened there. What happened? The anointing of God took over. Moses' rod swallowed up everything that was there. Now when this happened, we would think, ah. Now Pharaoh would be very scared and Pharaoh would say, oh my God, this is something else. And if this one rod swallows all these, what's going to happen? And go, get lost, all of you. Go. Three days in the wilderness. Go worship, do your sacrifice and come back. No. He said no. I'm not afraid of this, even after God showed his power. Why? Because Satan was given room. So always understand, when we are engaged in the spiritual warfare, the spirit of God is working, the anointing of God is working, God is doing very strategic things, and God is overtaking the powers of darkness. But you know what? Satan will push. He'll push as long as he's given permission to push until God says, stop. Until God comes and crushes him. God gave time, and so he was pushing and pushing, and how did he push? He said, now, you guys, get your own straw, get your own stuff. He made the task much more difficult. What did the enemy do? He said, oh, Moses, you're being used by God to fulfill the promise that God gave to Abraham. You are the deliverer coming here to bring deliverance to all these people who are in bondage. Let me make your life miserable. That's what Satan did. So what did he do? He raised up Pharaoh to harden his heart. And then he moved the children of Israel to say that we want to kill you, Moses. Leave us alone. Even though we were beaten and we were in bondage, now our lives are more miserable than it was before. What was the enemy trying to do? He was trying to go after the vessel of God that was used by God. To bring deliverance, why? It's not just something that's happening to a group of people, no. It is something that is happening in the kingdom of God, where the word of God given to Abraham has to be fulfilled. There's a connection there. And through that, the Messiah was going to come. Understand, your life and my life matters. The work of God that is happening in our midst matters because it is connected with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan will fight as hard as he can, only to lose every single time. But you have to understand this is a battle. What we're going through right now is a battle. After Moses went, he came back, then he did the first plague, second plague, third plague, fourth plague. What was happening? Every time the enemy says, oh, I'm stepping back. But he was not. Every time he would pretend like he's stepping back, he would try to oppress more. Every time who showed up? God showed up. But did it happen the first plague? No. Did it happen during the second plague? No. It took 10 plagues. But when the 10th plague happened, one would think that, okay, that's it. They are not going to oppress the people of God anymore. They're going to say, get lost, get away. That's what he said temporarily. But the enemy wouldn't let them go. Why? Because the enemy wanted to fight till the very end. He said, I am going to because the enemy thinks somehow I can overpower. Who? The people of God. Who? They are God's inheritance. Who? Through whom the Messiah is supposed to come. Can it ever happen? It cannot happen. So it is important for us to fight the spiritual warfare, knowing who we are in Christ and God's plan connected to our lives with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very important. There's a prophecy God is speaking to you at this hour. If you don't understand your connection in the kingdom of God, your connection in the body of Jesus Christ, who you are, why God has placed you, why are you alive, And what is happening right now in the supernatural realm? If you don't understand that, I pray that the Spirit of God would cause you to understand what is happening right now in our midst. We are about to enter into a historic time. We are about to enter into a great period of great deliverance where God is going to do things that has never happened before. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ is very soon. So who is fighting so hard? Satan is fighting hard. Well. He's a loser. That's his, that's his lot that has been allotted. Jesus defeated him on the cross of Calvary. Still he tries. Just because he's a loser, does it mean that he's powerless and he cannot do anything? No. He has been given, he has power. He has been given room to flit. Is it never ending? No. Job. Was entrusted by God to go through the path that was allotted by God. Job's children were afflicted, not because Job was unrighteous, but Job was righteous. Does it mean that God didn't care? Does it mean that God didn't see how Job felt? When I say Job felt, it's not that Job sinned or anything. But as a dad, to see the depth of his children. As a dad to see what was happening one after another, and then his own body getting afflicted. As a heavenly father who was watching Job, how do you think he would have felt the entire time? It's not like somebody who is sitting back and seeing a bullfight watching and have no feeling and saying, oh, who's going to win? Who's going to win? See, my bull is going to win. No, that's not how God is. God is a compassionate Father. He is a compassionate father. When he allows us to go through trials, his heart hurts. And every time he gives us grace, every time he stands with us, do you know what? He has a better picture. He has a better plan. Everything is connected to his kingdom. His heart yearns for us. His heart longs for us. And he says, I am here to help you. I am here to rescue you. I'm here to deliver you. I'm here to pull you out of this. Just a matter of time. Just hold on. Just hold on. So it took 10 plagues. And after the 10th plague, the enemy says, I'm going to go after these people. Why would God allow them to? God could have just killed Pharaoh too, along with his son. He did not. God chose not to. In all his wisdom, God chose not to. Because God was going to not only show the Egyptians, all the nations surrounding Egypt, that he is the Lord. Otherwise, they would have said, well, as a coincidence. Pharaoh's son died, and it was a shock to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh died. It was a shock to his wife. She died, and people can try to reason and try to say all kinds of things and rob God of his glory. God says, my glory will I not give to anyone. Remember, God's glory belongs to God. He will not give that glory to a disease. God's glory will he not give to a disorder. God's glory will he not give to a physician. God's glory will he not give to any other human being. God will not. God himself will come and defend his people. God himself will come and defend his people. God himself will come and defend his people. Now God used the midwife in Moses' life to spare Moses. God used Miriam, his sister, to take Moses to bring him to his mother. God used the princess of Egypt to take Moses, to take him to the palace. Now, these were strategically appointed by God. We can't say, oh, God himself will come and do it. So so I don't need Miriam. I don't need Moses. I don't need the midwife. No, we cannot be like that. But it is important to heed to the voice of the Holy Spirit. In all of these things, God's hand was there. Without God's hand, Moses would have not ended in the palace. Without God's hand, Moses would have not been taken back to his mom. These were all the working of God Almighty. In the midst of adversity, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of death, there was life. Moses didn't die. That's a miracle. In the midst of the Nile river, Moses didn't die. That was a miracle. How did he end up in the palace? That's a miracle. In the midst of all of this, the hand of God is revealed. God didn't change the law. God could have done that. The day Pharaoh said this, that. Every male child is going to die. Pharaoh died. No, it didn't happen that way. God is alive. Our God is alive. God allowed that law to be passed. God allowed these things, but he showed his superiority in the midst of all of this. He made a way. He made a way. He made a way. Satan does something. He plans. He sits and he plans. I've seen this, actually, in the spirit realm. How Satan sits and how his evil spirits sit and how they plan against God's anointed servants, against their families, especially people who are in the forefront. And how he also plans against new believers. He also plans against families and marriages, especially the people of God. You must not fall asleep even for a minute. You have to be aware that the God you serve is able to deliver you. If Satan is planning, You need to know God is also planning. And his plan alone will prevail. God's plan alone will prevail. He makes a way. That's why we've heard many times before in our meetings, the Spirit of the Lord speaking during messages that in the midst of the difficult situation, always look for that way out. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He will show you the way out. He will show you the way out. He has a plan. Every time God leads, he leads us in different ways. Every miracle that, you know, we've seen many miracles, thousands of miracles take place in our ministry. Every time it's different. God is not somebody who gives stale food every time. Oh, I have the same pattern. No. Every time it's very different. Every time I pray for people, it's different. Every time God does something is different. As we know, every service is different. Every time God gives the word is different. We might have heard this message a hundred times from the same passage. Every time is different. Because the Spirit of God brings that fresh Bread from heaven, fresh water from heaven. God does something new all the time. So what's happening here? Pharaoh and his army, they said, we are not going to leave who? God's people. We're not going to let them go away from us. They have been our hostage for too long. We have been their master for too long. We're not going to let them go. What is that? That's an evil spirit. If you ever feel like, oh, I'm somehow the enemy is coming to me or coming again to me with the old addictions or with the old thought life or with the old something or with old symptoms or whatever it is, learn to pick up your sword and fight. Learn to stand around. Learn to hold on to the word of God. Learn to believe in everything that God has proclaimed. That'll keep you. God's word will keep you. The enemy who was defeated tried coming back, but was he able to take them as captives? No, understand that. If God has set you free from addiction, you cannot go back. You cannot go back and you will not go back if you hold on to the word of God. You stay put in the blood of Jesus. You cannot go back and you will not go back. If God has set you free, you are free indeed. Satan will try to come after you, but can he get you? No, he cannot get you. He can never get to you. You can never get defeated as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus and not look back like Lot's wife did. So, the army of the enemy is pursuing the children of God, people of God, always tell yourself, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. So Satan has no power on my soul. I'm a child of God. He's no power on my body. I'm a child of God. He has no power on my children. I'm a child of God. He has no power on my finances. I'm a child of God. He's no power on my spouse. I'm a child of God. Always understand who you are in Christ Jesus. And speak it out. You are a child of God. Can he lay hold of the inheritance of God? Absolutely not. Can Satan touch God's inheritance? Absolutely not. You are God's inheritance. You belong to God Almighty. God's hand is upon you. His eyes are upon you. God says, he who touches you touches the apple of God's eye. He'll come as close, but can he really touch you? No, he cannot touch you. There's no defeat to those who walk in the path of the cross. So, he was chasing He was given room to chase. So the enemy can chase us. While we are following Jesus, he may chase us. Let him chase. Who is leading us? God is leading us. Understand this. God had a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. cloud, Protecting the people of God from the enemy. You can see. See, it's like a glass. You can see from here the enemy chasing. But you know what? There's something between you and them, which is the barrier of God. God's protection. And it is called the blood of Jesus Christ. It cannot touch you. The enemy cannot touch you. The blood of Jesus Christ is that barrier. You can see with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. That's what God says in his word. So, He is following, Pharaoh is following. When I say Pharaoh, it typifies the entire nation, his clan. They're all following the people of God, not to follow their footsteps, but to destroy. Their intentions were bad. Murderous. Murderous spirit is following them. But who was leading the people of God? God is leading the people of God. So God allowed the enemy, it looked like, his wishes were granted, but only for him to fall into the pit he dug. Following, and God did a miracle here. Even though there was a Red Sea, and mind you, the route that the children of Israel had to take was marked out by the Lord. So God marked out that route for the people of Israel to go where there was a Red Sea. Whatever obstacle you face in your life, when you see an obstacle, know that, oh, if I'm walking according to the perfect will of God, my paths have been marked out by the Lord, even if it is a Red Sea. Part of the River Jordan, when Joshua was there, is anything too hard for the Lord? And that too in a time when the river was overflowing, God did a miracle. So when you face impossible looking situation, know that you are a child of God. We are a people of God. Can the enemy touch the inheritance of God? Can he touch? Answer me the question in the presence of God. Can he touch the inheritance of God? If you are an inheritance of God, can he touch you? He cannot. He'll try to spook his people by chasing. Oh, I have chariots. Look at me. Look how fast I'm coming. You guys are walking by foot. Look at me. Look what I have. We need to look at God. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but... We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. And that's why they will fall down, but we will rise up. Because our God reigns. No one can go against God's anointed servants. No one can go against the inheritance of God with the people of God. We are the people of God. We're God's people. No matter what they try, they've been given room by God for their own destruction. We shall see with our eyes. The destruction that will come to the enemy of God. So, this chapter talks about the victory that God gave. And as a result of that, the song that comes from Moses was the leader. Imagine the path that Moses went through to bring these people from there to here. Many, many times people turned around and said, oh, we don't want to leave us alone. But by the grace of God, Moses crying out to God every single time, because the burden of God was upon Moses. The people were bound, but he had the burden. Every time to talk to Pharaoh and every time he would defy, he had to perform a miracle. And after that, he would defy, and he would go and cry out to God. Moses' job was every time crying out to God. If you read Exodus, you'll see how many times Moses cried out to God. He was a prophet who cried out to God all the time every time something happens he was a man full of tears all the time crying out to God but every time he cried God did something you have to understand every time you cry out to God God will do something if you cry out to God in faith not a self-pity cry but a war cry cry learn how to shed tears that will move the heart of God learn to pray faithful prayers learn to agonize in prayer Jesus agonized in the garden of Gethsemane where his sweat became like drops of blood, fell to the ground. Now what happened as a result? Angels came and ministered to him. He received that strength of God. Now did cross, was cross removed from him? No. Was all the lashes removed? No, because that only we have healing. But grace of God, the grace of God was given to him at that time to carry that cross. And look at the path of Jesus. Jesus was taken and he was whipped Now after he was whipped, his body was beyond recognition. A human being could say, Lord, it's enough. This is broken so much. I wish I can die right now for the sins of the world. Because his body is already broken. But no. The goal was the cross. That's when the mission will be accomplished. Now from being beaten, the body is broken, he had to carry the cross in that broken body. Imagine how it would have been, how excruciatingly painful that would have been for Jesus. And after that, now he is being laid on that cross where his body was broken, the cruel wooden crude cross against his body that was ripped apart. Now one hand is Pulled, and it's being nailed to the cross. Imagine the agony Jesus went through. One would feel like, I wish my life goes right now. Agonizing. And Then the next hand, imagine that. The Lord is speaking to me about that yesterday. Then putting one foot upon another after he's in agony. Imagine when they touch that foot itself, how his whole body would have trembled. In pain. I don't know. I have no idea how Jesus went through the suffering. But I know that he did because he loved you and me. What can I give in return for that great love? I will serve you, Lord, for the rest of the days of my life. It is important to understand the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is important to understand the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important to be faithful to God to the very end. With all of that, he had to hang after that on the cross. It was not all over. Why? The enemy was given room to continue to afflict until that mission was accomplished. This is the Lord of glory who raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, cast out devils. But he was standing, hanging on the cross, cruel cross, where the Bible says, They would look at him and say, physician, heal yourself. You heal all these people, right? Heal yourself. It's not that he couldn't. But it was the hour of darkness where power was given. If you look at Apostle Paul's life, he had to leave people sometimes because they were sick. And he had to go and minister. Not because his anointing was not effective. But it was God's way, and God was doing something there. There's a purpose of God that's happening. Not because his disciples sinned, no. There's no record of that. But there's a plan of God that's taking place. If Apostle Paul's handkerchief could heal people, why couldn't he just physically, while he was there, he could have just prayed one prayer over him and just raised him up and come, let's all go, Extra, extra person is good for ministry. It didn't happen that way. Every time God does something, there's a very unique purpose to it. There's a plan of God that takes place. And God help us to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is doing at this hour. Now going to this chapter, after they came out of Egypt, out of the Red Sea, Moses is singing a victorious song. Miriam is singing a victorious song. They're all so happy. Very happy as to what God did for them. Relieved. No more Pharaoh. No more Egypt. Look at the Red Sea. They're all there. Gone. Even when God was messing up their chariots, their wheels were coming off, Pharaoh was still moving forward. That's the spirit of Pharaoh. Demonic spirit. With all of that, nowhere to be found. God said, try, try harder, try harder. God let them chase the people of God. But can the enemy ever touch the inheritance of God? No, he cannot. As we go into chapter 15, I highly encourage you through the Spirit of God to read chapter 15 of Exodus. Read the song of Moses, read the song of Miriam, to see what great things God had done. After all of this, now we come to, we're coming to, getting past Moses, Miriam's song, we're coming to verse 22, where Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went Three days in the wilderness and found no water. Think about this. I really want you to think about this situation. Moses is coming with all these people, and they're all past the Red Sea. They're all going into the wilderness towards the promised land. And as they are going, day one, no water. As the Bible says, my father knows all so I need even before I ask him. So in his plan, he should have once you cross the Red Sea. Well, half a day there is a pool. Oh, Moses does a miracle, and they all drank, and then they walk for another half a day, and there there was food, and it didn't happen that way. They're all so happy. It's like a balloon where the air is going up. They're all happy, and they're walking with a happiness. After some time, no water, they're getting tired. No water, they're getting tired. Day one, no water. The little one says, mommy, water. The teenager says, mommy, water. They say, honey, we'll have water. We'll get some water. We're going to get some water. A little more, a little more. They're all walking. First day gone. Second day, no water. What was God doing? Was he sleeping? No. This is a path marked out by God. No water path in the wilderness. Day two, who was leading them? The servant of God, Moses, is leading them. He carries the spirit of God, path of God, marked out by God. Second day, no water. Well, we must understand Moses was thirsty too. Moses had no water too. Everyone there had no water. They're all going in the same path. It was not like Moses gets some water from the side somehow. No. Moses was going through that also with the children of Israel. And this was a man who was in Midian, minding his own business with his family, that God called him out of there to deliver people from bondage. He was not someone who was in bondage, but he was beaten and now he said, I'm going to break off this yoke and I'm going to be the leader. No. He was comfortably sitting there. God's path is ordained by God for God's people. Whatever it may be, It is important for us to know that the plan of God will prevail. Moses had to go through that. No water. the Children of Israel had to go through because they had to come out of bondage, but Moses didn't have to. Moses was comfortable in Midian. He didn't do anything. But he chose to suffer with the people of God. Back then and for many, many years until the day he had to die. If you are looking to serve God, understand this very clearly today. Ministry is not about how you feel. Ministry is not about what you think. Ministry is not about yourself. Ministry is not about what you can get. Ministry is about what you can give. Ministry is about laying yourself as a living sacrifice, as Apostle said. Paul said, I have poured out myself as an offering to God. Our lives will be poured out as an offering to God. That's what ministry is. The path that we will have to go through is a path that people who have not chosen the path of the cross, when I say they're not in the forefront, will not go through. But if you are really determined to see God's glory come down, you should be a person who is determined to go through anything that God has for you. Suffering for the sake of the kingdom of God, so that his glory shall be revealed. Day one, no water. Day two, no water. By this time, everyone is getting agitated, but you don't see that in Moses. Day three, no water. They're getting very upset. Three days of no water. Did God see this? God saw that. Can God give water? Yes. God was looking at the children of Israel and God said, I am placing this as a test. I'm placing this spot. I gave you a big victory. Now you need to inherit Canaan. I brought you out. You had faith to come out of Egypt. You took the Passover land blood and you put it over there. You had faith to save your children. The angel of death passed over. You had faith to come to the wilderness. You had faith when Moses says, let cross over. I mean, they had faith only by seeing. When the sea parted, they walked until then they were complaining. Well, at least they had faith, you know, to cross over. As opposed to, oh, what will happen, you know, if everything closes? You know, they were having Pharaoh chasing, so they had no choice anyway. They all ran. But they crossed over by faith. After they came, now you have a test over here. You're so happy, sang songs and worship God. Oh my God, is able. Yes, he is. There's no doubt about it. But the faith that you have that has been imparted by the Spirit of God into you should be able to carry you through by you holding hands with that faith that God has given partner with the faith of God that God has put in you. You need to partner with the faith of God that God has put inside of you. It's an investment invested by God into you. Three days they found no water. Now when they came to Marah, verse 23, they could not drink the waters of Mara for they were bitter. Now think about this. The trial that they were facing was already bitter for them. They had no water. Now they're coming to Mara. They're coming to this water, source of water. And they're saying, they're coming. Oh, there's water, there's water. Finally, we have water. Oh, thank you, Lord, we have water. And they're coming there. And when they put it in their mouth, they were not able to drink. Understand, this is all part of God's plan. Not because God was bad, because God was good. All they needed to do was to look to him, look to him, look to him. Moses was part of this, where he also had to face that bitter water. But you see the difference between the children of Israel and Moses. When you look at problems, look at your problems with eyes of faith. Look at it with the eyes of faith. Don't look at it as if a heathen would look at it. Didn't they just cross through that Red Sea? Did they just cross through that Red Sea? And God tested them to see if they would trust him after seeing such a big miracle. Unfortunately, they did not. Unfortunately, they complained. So what are they doing here? The people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And you see what is happening with Moses. Moses. The people could have cried out to God. They didn't. Instead, they complained. And who cries out? Moses. Every time Moses cries out to God, God hears and God answers. The people could have done the same thing. Learn to cry out to God. Crying in the presence of God is a good thing. Only people who have faith will cry out to God in the presence of God. It is in the presence of God. Not tears of manipulation, not tears of anger and frustration, but tears of faith. Bring your brokenness. The Bible says God will not reject a broken heart. Bring your brokenness to God. Be real. But while you're real, it has to have faith as the major component. Your prayer life should be filled with faith along with your brokenness. A broken heart, God will not reject. A faithful heart, God will show his power. I want to repeat. A broken heart, God will not reject. A faithful heart, God will show his power. Very powerful combination. God will receive you and show his power to you. Here, the children of Israel, they complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. This is what you call a miracle. When you look at it, Moses didn't say, okay, Lord, I need you to do something here. And these people are really bugging me. I was doing well in Midian. Why did you bring me here? No, Moses was not a complainer. The Bible says he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. So the children of Israel were putting pressure on Moses. He could have said, oh, my blood pressure is going up. No. He's a man qualified to be the leader of Israel. That is why God made him a leader. He found something that he did not find in the rest of the people. It's high time that the people of Israel copy Moses, seeing his life day in and day out. Many failed to, and that's why they did not inherit the promised land. What is Moses doing? Every time we go to him, what is he doing? He's calling out to God. Let's call out to God. They did not. Instead, they were looking at Egypt every time, looking at Egypt, looking at Egypt, looking never be like the children of Israel, who were stiff-necked and rebellious people. Even though they received so much of the goodness of God, instead of having faith in God and crying out to Him, they rebelled against God. May God help you never to be like that. And you look at Moses here, Moses didn't say, Okay, God, you can do a miracles. So, the children of Israel are asking something. So, I don't have to go cry out to God. And Moses didn't just go and take his rod and just stretch it out before that water. No. Moses was a man of God. For every single thing that needs to take place in his life, he went and cried out to God. He didn't do the same thing that he did last time or the previous times. Yes. Before the Red Sea, God had him stretch out his hand, but not here. Over here, God is telling you to do something different. There's something that I've learned from the Lord, humbly I should say, in the presence of God. There's never been a same cookie-cutter method so far, the way God has led us. It has been very different. One trial, God will speak something different and he'll say, do this, and step by step he'll show us something. It'll be very different. Another trial, God will say, do this, and it will be very different. So it's very important to be sensitive to the spirit of God and to look to him and to see what he is telling you to do at that point. That's the most important thing. Here, Moses goes and cries out to God. When he cried out to God, God is telling him to do something. What did he tell him to do? He showed him a tree. God showed him a tree. Moses, you look at the tree, go to the tree, and... Cut that tree branch and put it in that water. This is what the Lord told Moses to do. And he said, "Lord, why should I go and cut that tree? And you know, I could have just used my rod. And you know, you and isn't this rod anointed? And my, my hands anointed? No, no. No matter what anointing God has given, it's very important to close our mouths in the presence of God and ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because God is God." It is important to seek his counsel. It is important to go to his presence and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Until we hear from the Lord, we should not leave his presence. Until we hear from the Lord, we should not do a thing. We have to wait on the Lord. It's good to wait on the Lord. The Bible says. So when Moses asked God, God said, cut this tree and put it in the water. When he did what God told him to do, then a miracle took place. Let me tell you this before we conclude. For today, the secret for real, genuine miracle is doing what God is telling you to do. And that comes by having faith in God. We go to God because we have faith in God. We talk to him because we have faith in God. We listen to him because we have faith in God. We're doing what he's telling us to do because we have faith in God. And all boils down to faith in God, your faith in God. Moses did what God told him to do because it was God's formula for that situation. A miracle took place. God's formula for that situation. Like I said, he wasn't doing the same thing everywhere. He needs a miracle. He wasn't cutting tree branches. No, it was God's formula for that situation. So every trial is different. Every situation is different. Every time God will speak to us about whichever path we're going through is different. It is important to understand the ways of the Almighty God. God is God. And when we follow Him, God will do great and mighty things in our lives. This is where it's very different when it comes to the people of the world. They all have an approach, seven step this, three step this, 12 step this, 10 step this, have manuals and books and, and all these things they will do minus what God says. They can have business meetings, they have money-making things, and they can have all these um, marketing things, and you know, a lot of churches have that too. How to grow your congregation. It scares me when I hear those things. How to teach your people to do this. When people are living in rebellion and in sin, it is important to Know the voice of the Good Shepherd. It is important to submit ourselves to the ways of the Lord. The Bible says Jesus was taken as a lamb to the slaughter. Why? He showed his back to those who ploughed. You know why? He knew that was the will of God. Do you know God's will? Are you submitting yourself to the will of God? Most of us rejoice when we hear a miracle, of the testimony. It's important to rejoice. That's why we have Moses' song, praise, and a testament of what God did in writing. We have Miriam's song there, important. But after that song, a trial comes. What do you do at that point? Where is the song? Where did the song go? Are you able to go back to the song and hold on to the song and go to God and pray? all of a sudden what happened to the song three days the song was forgotten three days the miracles were forgotten all of a sudden it's all about me my thirst how i feel it's not about lord you brought us here you bring us here lord what do you want us to do we have no water lord show us what to do that's the right thing to do moses cried out to god for what for water And he received water. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. It cannot happen without faith. You need to know that you are a treasure to God. You need to know that you are God's inheritance. You need to know that the enemy cannot touch the inheritance of God and he cannot touch you. Have that settled today in your heart. And learn to cry before God. Tears of faith. War cry. Tears of hope war cry tears of hope it's war cry tears of faith it's war cry bring your brokenness to god as moses did and bring your faith to god as moses did and do what god is telling you to do and you shall see god do the impossible in your life whatever looks bitter whether it's your marriage Whether it's your family situation, whether it's your finances, whether it's your own heart, whatever it is, whatever looks bitter in your life, from a state of no water to bitterness, from getting, going from bad to worse, whatever it is, God can change that if you bring your brokenness to God and you bring your faith to God and do what God has called you to do. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord?